Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Martin. And we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right. I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and the XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and our exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. BLUEWIRE. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And on that note, we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg on Twitter. Joined, as always, on this weekend edition of Full Slate by Bill Christie. You might know him as at Larry's Locks 2 on gambling Twitter for all of his picks. It's the full weekend in March, which means the mid-major conference tournaments, uh, some of which wrap up. There's still some to get started, and the power leagues wrap up their regular seasons, and then we hit championship week beginning on Monday. Bill, that means we got a lot of college hoops to go through, and that's why we're here. How are we doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, just taking a look at some of my plays from today and holding on to Pepperdine, my play of the day today. I've been 5-0 and the last five days with my play of the day. Uh, Pepperdine minus 2.5 right now. Looks like they're by 15 at halftime, okay. so in a good spot. So looking forward to hopefully cashing that ticket at the end of the night. Yeah. And we got a great slate for tomorrow, so I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm having a pretty good night as we record here uh, late Friday night, early Friday, Saturday morning, depending where you are. Um, hit on uh, Richmond uh, in the Atlantic 10. I had Missouri State come in for me. Uh, lost on Boise State. That was a bit of a collapse there in the second half from them. 
Uh, got a winner on the NBA hardwood with the Thunder looking pretty good right now on the Lakers. Don't want to jinx that. And my uh, NHL pick is the Ducks. They're up 2 nothing with five minutes left. So it's been a pretty good day on this Friday, and hopefully we can uh, roll it over into Saturday. Are you one to kind of uh, – kind of like fear after you have a couple of days in a row that that bad day is coming or do you just wake up every day, new day, and don't forget about what happened the last day? I've had probably the worst stretch of three days this week. I thought last week was rough because I had such a bad start and ended up coming back and only being down like a unit or two at the end of the week. Sure. But this week has been killing me. And I knew it was only a matter of time before I was able to turn it around. And hopefully it's going to be tonight with these last two plays I have coming through. And then hopefully this carries right through the weekend because, again, Big slate tomorrow, some good games on Sunday, and let that take us right into the tournament because we need it. Bill and I did really well on this uh, Saturday edition of Full Slate last weekend, and, and we hope it's the same. And, and as you said, Bill, on during the week, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe the uh, absence of Matt is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Don't let him hear that, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's get started, though. Uh, we're going to run through uh, mostly power conference games here is what we're looking at. Uh, and I want to start in the ACC, uh, where we have a really interesting game between two of the locks for the NCAA tournament in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and that is the Virginia Cavaliers hosting the Louisville Cardinals. Virginia, a one-point favorite, total of 114 in this one. Uh, and I think you can kind of see, if you've listened to us the last couple of weeks, where uh, Bill and I are in alignment on this one with the Virginia side um, we'll get more to the Cavaliers in a minute, but I just want to bring some anti-Louisville stuff to the table. Louisville 1-2 against the spread as a road underdog. I think that's worth mentioning because while this is just a short line of one, you have a Louisville team that, you know, this is not a role that they're familiar with, and I think that, that can sometimes, while it is a small sample, uh, you get these teams, especially these college kids, that are so used to being the favorite, so used to winning, particularly on their home floor, uh, and then you get up against a, a better team, or maybe not a better team, but a trickier situation, and you don't respond as well. So I think there's maybe a little bit of that going on with Louisville. And then I mentioned the road and, and, and just getting off your home floor. Louisville's lost three straight road games. Obviously, they lost at Florida State, which you know a lot of people, a lot of teams have this year. But they also lost earlier in February to Clemson and Georgia Tech, and I begin to wonder uh, if this is a Louisville team that maybe peaked a little early. I mean, they're still sitting on that two-line right now, but if they lose this game to Virginia, I don't think that's the case. And maybe an earlier exit in the NCAA tournament uh, would at least keep their – I'm sorry, in the ACC tournament, maybe keeps them on the three-line or – Maybe they even dip down to four. I think that's possible as well. I just think it's a Louisville team that right now is kind of treading water, and this is a Virginia team that obviously looks to be turning it up with that Duke win last week at home. Just feels like an awful similar spot. Uh, this They were a short dog against Duke, short favorite here. I uh, like the Cavaliers. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. For most of the reasons you just mentioned, like I was going to go over those three losses like you had said. Um, and then when it comes to this time of year, I like to really look at coaching. Um, guys that have been established sure. in the program for a while, like Tony Ben, when they start to get their teams, you know, rolling in the correct direction, similar to what Michigan State's done with, with Izzo getting Michigan State rolling in that direction recently, it seems like Virginia's on that path as well. And like you said, Louisville's kind of been erratic, especially on the road. They've looked abysmal. So I'm leaning. I'm probably definitely going to make Virginia my play. 
Uh, and, and again, we talked about this last week where uh, the total sometimes tells a little bit of a story. And uh, total is only 113, I think. So. 114, I'm saying. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to kind of push me towards uh, Virginia as well. And then when you look at what, like, their shooting percentages are, you know, uh, the offensive efficiency stuff, you look at Louisville, and when they're on the road, they're only shooting, what is it? Under 35% from three, um, their effective field goal percentage, uh, under 50%. Like, and, it, and this is without playing a team like Louisville. So, you know, Louisville is going to drop that down even further. You mean so. without playing a team like Virginia? Sorry, yeah, yeah sorry. For Virginia, yeah. Virginia is going to stifle them offensively. So, it's only going to drop that percentage down even further where they're not comfortable. And, again, Louisville is the type of team I feel like they like to get out and run a little bit. They're not going to be able to do that as much against Virginia. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to lay the point. Uh, and play Virginia in this one. Yeah, and again, I'm with you. And, you know, let's just, while we're on this game, like, just to wrap it up, like, what do you think the ceiling is for both these teams? Like, if if we're right and Louisville does lose, you know, then you're talking about going into the ACC tournament on four straight road losses, and I know that the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament are neutral games, but that can't have you feeling well that they, they have not been able to win away from uh, Louisville, you know, and then you have a Virginia team really streaking coming into the conference tournament. Like, do, does your opinion really change much on as far as the ceiling for these teams, uh, one way or the other, depending on the, how the game goes? Uh, I don't know about the ceiling so much as as where I would like when I'm looking at the tournament. Uh, I, I take, try to take into account, like you had said, uh, you know, how they play on the road because you know they're not going to be at home for sure. Um, and it's not a really a road game. It's a neutral site, but still. And they're not in their home court. They're not in a comfortable environment. So I want to see what they've done on the road. Um, and then I want to see the teams that are starting to peak at the right time. You know, we're talking about Virginia starting to peak at that right time. I'm going to be very curious to see how they do in the ACC tournament um, leading into the big tournament. But, like, those type of teams seem to be the ones that you can get on board with and have them make a run. Um, and there's teams that seem to peak too early during the regular season. Like, Louisville seems to be peaking or have peaked at that middle ground part of the season, and now they're starting to taper off a little bit. Like, people kind of got their numbers. So I wouldn't say that Louisville's going to be definitely out. They're going to be out in the second, third round. Like, I'm not, gonna, I'm not comfortable saying that because they're still a very strong team, and they could figure it you know, come tournament time and, and really make a nice run. And also, of course, it, it depends on the matchups, right? Like, if they're going against a team who is going to be going up and down the floor with them, they probably have a better chance than against a team like Virginia, where Virginia's going to slow the pace down and make them run their offensive sets. Um, so, you know, matchups play a big part in that. But as far as ceiling, I, I don't feel comfortable making a decision on that. But, like I said, a team that's rounding into form that looks like they have their, you know, their ducks in a row headed into the tournament, I like their ceiling a lot more than I like a team that seems to have peaked a little early. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, coaching, I think, this time of year is so important. And uh, Bennett is certainly one that we've got to respect. And, and Mac, I know it's his second year there, and he made the tournament last year. But uh, I think the jury is still probably out on where he's going with that program and kind of if they do end, say, without getting to the Sweet 16. I think there's probably going to be more questions than answers on the Louisville season. So uh, as far as – the pace, too. That was another good point that I think you mentioned there. With this low total, we've talked so much about Virginia games and how it can often, the total can tip its hand a little bit. Like, I think the pace just so often dictates who's going to play the game on their terms. And, you know, Virginia, they're very comfortable winning these big games 55 50, you know, and, and this kind of has. 
that similar feel. But let's keep things moving. Um, and, Bill, I'm going to let you take the wheel here. We both have a couple of plays in the SEC. Um, you like the Florida Gators here. They're at um, – I believe they're at home. Uh, they yes. are. They are a three-point home favorite against John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. Total of 136, but you're looking to the home chalk. Yeah, I'm, I'm – I'm not 100% making a play on Florida, but I'm definitely leading towards them in this game. First of all, right out of the gate, just looking at the line doesn't make sense, right? I mean, you're talking about a top 10 team uh, against an unranked team right now, and the unranked team is favored by three points. So right there is sticking out for me. Um, I'm yeah, a there's quite a few because, of those spots, by the way. We'll get yes. to more of them later. Right, right. But I'm a little, a little hesitant with this one only because Kentucky has played so well as of late, like we've been talking about. And, you know, on the road, just as a – straight up away team um, against the spread, they're 7-2. and two. So they're not, like, unaccustomed to going into somebody else's house and covering the spread. Um, they're 3-1 and one as an away underdog. Florida being 6-8 and eight as, a, as a home favorite. Um, but, again, the line just kind of – it's really indicating that a Florida team is going gonna, is gonna, to, you know, take care of business at home um, and get a much-needed win. Not to say that Kentucky like, – they want to win this game, right? But I feel like Florida has more on the line right now to play for you know, I'm not sure if they're 100 percent in. You know, they're 1911. They should be in, but um, you know, they'd rather solidify their spot. Whereas Kentucky, you know, on the road, they're feeling a little comfortable. I feel like they might be puffing their chest a little bit right now. So I'm leaning Florida, but if I'm looking at the grand scheme of things, we're talking about ceiling. I think Kentucky ceiling is Final Four. I think they're that good. Um, I think obviously Cal Perry is is a phenomenal coach. I think their ceiling is the Final Four, and and I would. If I'm picking a team to win the conference tournament, I'm going to be picking Kentucky when it comes time. Couple things. Florida has been, I think, one of the more disappointing teams this year. I realize they might still make the tournament, but it was a team I was very high on. Team that was a 10 seed last year in the NCAA tournament, bringing a lot of guys back. Obviously, Blackshear, big transfer addition for them. And for whatever reason, down there in Gainesville, it just doesn't seem to have clicked. It doesn't seem like there's been the consistency that you'd want from a team that was very much a contender to win the regular season title in the SEC and and be a very high seed. So seeing them favor does feel weird here, but I think sometimes when we have these awkward lines, like, you want to at least be able to point to a spot in the regular season where that team looked like the team that deserves to be favored in the spot. Like, did I, I don't know if Florida ever looked like a team this year that looked deserved, deservedly favored over Kentucky is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. You know, Kentucky's been so good most of the year. They've been really consistent. You mentioned their success on the road against the spread. I passed this game. I, I, I maybe would have a slight lean toward Florida just because, again, I like to play those funky favorites where it's like, why are they favored? But mm-hmm. you also have Kentucky coming off a loss here. And if this was a Kentucky team that was more, you know, NBA prospect-driven, freshman-driven, I'd be inclined to think, oh, you know, these kids are going to go on a little bit of a free fall here and I'm going to take the, the Florida team that maybe is a little bit more veteran-esque. But mm-hmm. – this is why I actually agree with you with your point about Kentucky as far as their ceilings. I do think that it could be a Final Four team because 
I find that Calipari's best teams are the ones that don't necessarily have those massive yes. freshman prospects, you know, and you think back to the uh, final four run that they made with the Terrence Jones, Brandon Knight team that was the number four seed in their set in their uh, region. They beat Ohio state. who was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. They beat them in the sweet 16. That team went to the final four. You think about, I know that Julius Randall was still a lottery pick, but the, his year, one year at Kentucky, that was a Kentucky team that didn't have a ton of NBA talent. And, mm-hmm as an eight seed, got all the way to the national championship. Yes, they won the title in the Anthony Davis year, but for the most part, I like these Calipari teams like this one, where you have, you know, a Richards or a Maxie uh, or, um, you know, a Sestina, a shooter. Like, they just seem to be a little bit more put together, and those are the teams I like to get on this time of year. So I do think Kentucky is worth a look as far as winning the SEC tournament, winning its region, winning the national championship. And that's why I ultimately have to pass this specific game. Well, to, just to go back, you mentioned, you know, was there a spot this year where Florida looks like they should be favored at all? I mean, if you go back, I mean, it's a while back, but it was um, January 18th. They were at home. They're playing Auburn, who was number four in the country at the time. Yeah. Okay. They were yeah. favored by two and a half, and, and they, they blew them out by 22. 22. So, okay. I mean, just when I look back at that, it's like, okay, that's telling me, like, this. So as up and down as Florida has been, it seems like – they understand these spots, and when they're going to be in this spot at home, a chance to make a big statement going into the tournament against the top ten team in Kentucky, and they're favored. You know, I think I would lean the other way a little bit if they were maybe like a slight dog, because you know Vegas kind of saying, you know, we still believe in Kentucky going on the road here and getting the job done. But the fact they're favored it really pushes me to Florida side here. Yeah, I do remember that uh, Florida Auburn game being one that just stood out as. I mean, that's got to be the best performance of the year for Florida, right? I mean, it definitely yeah. felt like a spot where they had it all together. Um, so uh, maybe and maybe it's the same thing here, but I'm just a little concerned uh, with Kentucky coming off the loss. As I said, if it's a team that's very freshman-driven, then I'm actually more inclined to fade them off the loss, thinking that they're going to go on a little bit of a tailspin. Uh, but uh, a team that just seems to be uh, put together well, I think, would respond in this spot. So uh, it's just a game that I am going to lay off. I want to keep things moving though and go, uh, I'm going to go to the big 12 actually, where I do have another one of these just really awkward lines that I want to play. Um, and I am going to go to Morgantown and I like the West Virginia Mountaineers pick them minus one. You can probably get them at total 129 in this one between Baylor and West Virginia. And uh, Bill, I know that you've, uh, I can remember a couple times in February you were blowing off some steam on West Virginia, and yet <laughs> they can be they, – they certainly in February, it, it wasn't good. I mean, they lost back-to-back games against Kansas and Baylor, or actually three straight because they lost before that in Norman against Oklahoma, lost again at home against Oklahoma at the end of February, lost at Texas. I lost on West Virginia that night. Lost at TCU in overtime. It was not a good month of February for the Mountaineers, that's for sure. Uh, Yet they're favored here. Like, it just feels like Baylor feels like so, so easy to the point where you have to take the other side or pass the game, in my opinion. Um, And that's primarily my reasoning behind playing West Virginia – I'm not going to sit here and talk about how I think West Virginia is going to turn it around in March. I mean, maybe they will. They did beat 
Ohio State going back to the non-conference. They beat them on a neutral floor. So, you know, we like to talk about maybe going back and thinking, well, maybe is there something that Vegas is seeing in these teams? Um, you know, and they blew out Texas, and Texas is now hot. But, gosh, I really have a hard time understanding this line, and obviously that means I like to play the side that I'm having a hard time understanding. Virginia, West Virginia, excuse me, 3-7 and seven against the spread in the last 10. Obviously talked about their bad month of February. Um, and I'm not saying that Baylor is also one of those teams that peaked early. I mean, maybe Baylor has a Final Four run in them, but uh, this also feels like one of those spots where we know both these programs have kind of made their money defending. And... Oftentimes, I like to play the home team in that spot, thinking that home crowd environment will also kind of lend itself towards more defensive intensity. So, um, but primarily just playing this because it just looks so out of whack that I would be really pissed if I didn't play West Virginia and they covered and won the game. In this case, the same thing. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to put a play on this one, but I'm going to probably lean the other way, and I'm going to tell you why. So you mentioned how West Virginia obviously has been, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They've been all over the place. I have been extremely frustrated with them lately. I keep saying how much they stink. They're going to be out early in the tournament, which I still believe. Um, but, yeah, this this line does when it came out. It didn't make much sense to me either. Um, and then I was trying to look at Baylor a little bit because Baylor kind of seemed like they've been in some spots where look, look, they lost – Right, they lost to TCU a couple of days ago on the road, um, but then they also lost to Kansas at home. Now, granted, Kansas number one team in the country, but as a dog, and it's only been four times this year. Three times they've been on the road. Uh, they're four zero as the underdog, so you know they have some um, criteria as being a dog in a game and, and, and getting the job done. They beat a good Villanova team, granted on the neutral site. They're only getting a point and a half. They won by nine. They were getting three and a half against Texas Tech. They won by five. They were getting eight against Kansas on the road. They beat Kansas on the road by 12. So they definitely have the ability to come out there and, and, and take care of business on the road in Morgantown. Um, but I don't think I'm going to make a play on it. Like I said, I, I lean a little bit to Baylor. And just like you said, I, this is the reason why I, I'm likely going to lay off is I'm going to be pissed either way, I feel like. If I'm going to be pissed if I play Baylor and, like you said, it's like, oh, my God, that line was screaming at you to take West Virginia – I'm going to be pissed as hell if I take West Virginia and Baylor goes in their house and blows them out by 15, 20 points because that's totally a possibility as well. So I don't think I want to put myself in either situation. I'd rather just sit back and hopefully not watch sure. the game because it's probably going to be boring with a lot of defense. <laughs> right. um, and just, you know, just look on Twitter and see who was right and who was wrong and, and have some fun that way. But, yeah, it, it should be a, a decent game, but I don't think I'm going to make a play again. I'll just probably lean a little bit towards Baylor here. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about just sitting it out because you can't quite get yourself to the side that just looks ridiculously out of whack. But at the same time, if you take the side that feels too easy and it loses, then it's like, what was I thinking? Like, right. I knew right. all along that if I was going to play this game, you got to take the, the weird side. Right, and the fact that West Virginia has just burned me so so much so often. Right. Lately. Like, I, I, I just can't I can't do it. Let's get to another game. Uh, we're going to go back to the SEC that uh, Bill and I are both eyeing up. And we're going to go to Knoxville, Tennessee 
for one of the earlier games of the day. 12 noon Eastern time, they tip between the Auburn Tigers and the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Tennessee is laying two and a hook here at home. Just mentioned Tennessee off that victory at Rupp Arena against Kentucky. Total of 137 in this game. Uh, Bill, I'll let you start on the Volunteers. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the uh, the Volunteers minus two and a half here. Auburn got the best of them last meeting, winning by seven. But Tennessee in that game had 24 turnovers. They're only averaging about 14 a game. It's not going to happen in their house. Um, And without that, you know, you take away maybe six of those turnovers that most likely led to points on the other end. You got you got a tight game there. There's no more seven point win by Auburn. It's probably going to be a game that's going to be a one or two point game. Um, and then I look at the, both teams, what they've done recently, you know, Auburn on the road, they've lost their last three. They lost to Mizzou by 12. They lost to Georgia by 10. lost to Kentucky by 7. And Tennessee, their last three at home, they've beaten Florida by 5, Vandy by 4, Arkansas by 21. Um, and Tennessee right now, they're like a 50-50 team to get in a tournament. So this is a huge, huge game for Tennessee. You have the revenge factor, being at home. I'm assuming it's senior night or senior day, whatever. Um, and they're a bubble team where they're not really sure if they're going to get in the tournament or not. There's so much here for Tennessee that they're playing for, whereas for Auburn, you know, I know our buddy Matt would say they're still playing for something because they're playing for their seeding. Um, but, look, they're not going to be a one seed. They're going to be somewhere in the mix of probably, what, like a three, maybe a four. I think the ceiling for them would be a two. Um, yeah. they're, they're going to be somewhere in there. They're going to be in a comfortable region closer to home. Um, I don't think this game, this game means as much to them. And, again, the fact that Vegas has it out as Tennessee being the favorite here, I want to play the home team uh, given the points. Yeah, I'm with you for a lot of the reasons you said. I have to think right now that Tennessee, I mean, the SEC isn't bad, but it's not the Big Ten. So when you mentioned Tennessee kind of on the bubble, uh, what would you say, 17-13 and 13 Tennessee's record is? I believe that's where they're at. Yeah, so – um, you know, when you mention them kind of hanging around uh, 17 and 13, yes. You know, so you hear that record, you obviously need context to it, and maybe a Big Ten team at 17 and 13 stands a better chance. All of that said, I, I, I do think that Tennessee is still on the wrong side of the bubble, but I'm going to just mention something that I like to look at uh, kind of blindly in college basketball and college football, for that matter. When you have a team off of a big upset, the way Tennessee just had against Kentucky, if their next game is on the road, I normally like to play against them because I think that's when you start to see some mispricing really become factored in, um, and it can be difficult to match that intensity off the big win going on the road. But if their next game's at home, then I think, like especially in this case, where Tennessee went to Lexington and won, then it's like, well, now, as you said, senior day, you know, 12 noon game. If I'm a Tennessee student, I want to get to that game. You know, I, I, I'll i make sure I get up and get to the game because my basketball team just beat Kentucky, a team who we just said we think could be in the Final Four, in their barn. And now they're coming back home against another ranked opponent, another chance to pick up a resume win. And... Regardless of what happens down the line for Tennessee, like, even if they don't make the tournament, like, I think there's, like, a sense of finality that comes into play for a team like Tennessee in this kind of spot here because they may not make the tournament. And 
if they don't, then this is probably the biggest stage for them, right? Like, if you can end the regular season with victories against Kentucky and Auburn, and obviously if we're saying they don't make the tournament, then they're probably not doing enough in the SEC tournament. Well, then Mm -hmm. this is kind of it, you know? And I think that there's a little bit of that finality, desperation, let's, you know, get the band together for one last song-type element here for the Volunteers. I don't think that's nearly the case for Auburn. And I think the number's reflecting that. But, again, when I am thinking about playing the side, like, I'm not saying this line is completely off. Like, I probably agree with it. But that's why I'm going to play Tennessee minus the short number. Because I do think that they're probably going to win this game, if for nothing else, just to uh, kind of end their regular season on a high note. And then whatever happens after that, you'll see. But, you know, Auburn, you know, you wonder, like, they come into this game. It's not a marquee opponent for them. They're going to be able to kind of improve their seeding if it really matters to them. You know, they're going to have opportunities in the conference tournament. So I, I tend to like the Vols as well. Yep. Yeah. I'm again. Like I said, I'm, I'll be playing Tennessee, and we've seen Auburn come out the slow start. So afternoon game, if they come out slow, Tennessee jump on them. I feel like they're going to be able to get the job done home. Another game in the early window that uh, Bill is on is in the Big Ten, where we have a short line again. Talking about a lot of short lines uh, here this weekend. Indiana laying two against the Wisconsin Badgers, a Wisconsin team that seems to be uh, turning it up kind of in the same in a similar vein that the Virginia Cavaliers are. I think we've seen the Badgers kind of uh, work their way back into the top 25. I believe Wisconsin is going to have the double bye in the Big Ten tournament. They are a two-point dog in Bloomington on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and, Bill, you like Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at it blindly, I would have probably thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to be probably playing Indiana here because, again, the line sure. kind of dictates that play. However – uh, Wisconsin seems to be along those lines like we've been talking about with the Michigan State and Virginia. They're they're a, a program that is consistently making the tournament. Now look, you know you don't have um, was a their former coach there. Bo Ryan, yeah, right, Bo Ryan now. more. Right, and and he's he's really kind of been you know. But he's got he's, some tournaments in March. He's yes. under belt now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There hasn't really been much of a turnover in that program. It's kind of seemed like it's been steady across the board with the coaching change. And he was um, all on the staff under Ryan, so. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. he was kind of the, the guy in the waiting that as soon as Bo was going to leave, that he was going to take it over. Um, and, look, they've just really, really put some really good wins together recently. We go back to the last time they played Indiana at home. They beat them by 20. Um, you know, so you could make the argument that's a revenge spot for Indiana. But um, Indiana, their last three home games, right, they beat Iowa by 12. Now, Iowa, we've seen what they've done on the road. They haven't been the greatest road team. Penn State by 8. Now, that was a Penn State team, I believe, without Myron Jones. Um, and Minnesota, they beat by 5. And Minnesota's kind of been, you know, a middle-of-the-road type of team. Nothing spectacular. Wisconsin, the last two road games they had, no, they, they beat a really bad Nebraska team by 17, but they also beat a very good Michigan team, who, again, another team that's starting to round the form late in the season. Now they beat them by 7 on the road. Um, and the Hoosiers just haven't been that great overall as home favorites, especially with a shorter line. They've been 4-9 against the spread the last 13 as a, a favor of less than 6.5 points. Um, where on the other hand, the Badgers, they've been 5-2-1 and one against the spread the last eight games as a dog in that same window. And they've also been 4-0-1 oh, against the spread the last five games against a team with a, a winning percentage above 600. So Wisconsin, they're, they're a team that knows what they're getting into, so to say. Like, they're going to be going on the road. They're going to be mentally prepared because all their guys are, like, the same, right? Like, 
I feel like every Wisconsin team's the same. It's like the, all their guys don't show any kind of emotion. They're all like blank face stares. Um, and then towards sure. the end of the game, when you when you bet on a game with Wisconsin, whether you bet on them or against them, and it comes down to them towards the end of the game, if Wisconsin has a small lead, the game's over. Like because you're going to commit fouls, and these guys don't miss foul shots. And right, if, right. And if you're on the other side of it, like I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone against Wisconsin, and you know Wisconsin's favored by say three and a half, and they have like a one point lead with the ball under ten seconds to go. I'm like, God damn it, they're going to foul them. They're going to make both their foul shots. That's a given. I'm going to hope and pray. The team I bet on is going to hit like a last-second shot or something like that. So, again, Wisconsin—they just look like they know what they're doing. They know what they're going to be getting into here on the road in Indiana. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be playing Wisconsin here. Uh, I'm going to take two points. Like I said, I'm not a huge money line guy, and if it comes down to it, I need those points. I'll take them. So I'll be taking them with the points on the road in Indiana. Yeah, I lean with Wisconsin, but. It is one of those things with the the line that is enough to make me kind of stay off. And, and, and Indiana has really been a, another kind of Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Um, bubble team Indiana. I, and, and I've talked about this before, how I think in some cases the bubble tax comes in and you see teams being overvalued. I think that's what's going on here. Uh, you know, I, I think in some cases, like, so, in other words, I don't think this is one of the lines that's just, like, so weird you have to look at the short favorite. Like, I do think that Indiana is favorite here almost solely because they are on the bubble. But I just can't get there with Wisconsin primarily because of the road stuff. Like, it's just been such a great home court conference, the Big Ten this year. That True. if there is a spot where the Hoosiers kind of, you know, rally the troops, and I'm going to use my favorite term, circle <laughs> the wagons, like, it would kind of feel like this is it. This is their last stand. Because if Indiana loses this game, ah, gosh, I, like, it's it's going to get even closer. And I I just think if they win, they can give themselves some breathing room. I'm not saying I, know, I think they're going to. I just think this this is a probably a line that should be all about pick them, you know. And if, if if there was a little bit more of the bubble tax, and I think I'd have enough leeway to get to Wisconsin, I just can't with only two points. Uh, so that's why it's just a lean for me. But I, I see a lot of what you're saying, and and the Badgers are the better team here. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Yeah, hundred percent. One other thing I want to go back to on Auburn, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think this is interesting on Auburn. I forgot to include this in my handicap, and it maybe doesn't necessarily apply here because if Auburn is straight up, then they will. If they win straight up, they'll win against the spread. 30 games, Auburn 24-6 and six straight up, 13-17 and 17 against the spread. Um, and I think that that's telling you that it's a team that, I like, I like to look at that to get a feel for how legit team straight up records are like I'm not even like forget actual I know we're a gambling podcast but Mm -hmm. I think the against the spread record tells you things because even if you're just trying to pick your bracket and you don't gamble regularly I think when you see an Auburn team like that it's a sign that they've kind of been underachieving right and they've been playing down to teams levels they've been big favorites and they haven't been covering the number as a result and eventually that catches up to you in your overall play to where you just don't play as well and so I think that it's very hard to sustain 
that good of a straight-up record and that poor of an ATS record, eventually there's going to be a line in the sand where either Auburn's going to turn it on, and they did last year. I wasn't that high on them last year, and they won the first game in a nail-biter against New Mexico State. Then they got hot in the tournament and really started playing their best ball. Or they're going to look like that team that underachieved against teams as a favorite and didn't cover numbers, and eventually they're just going to lose more games outright. So just something I like to look at and I want to point out there is like when you see a disparity like that, the straight-up record is a lot better than the against-the-spread record. Normally the straight-up record, the losses are going to continue to – are going to eventually come because if they're not covering those numbers, it means they're underachieving as big favorites. Then they become shorter favorites, and if they're still underachieving at that point – they're losing games. And it's great. I'm with you with that, with your logic behind, you know, the teams that kind of seem like they're underachieving and then they get to the tournament and then it kind of can go one of two ways, right? Like, and I, I really feel like that first round. Right, like some, sometimes have, it can be like, oh, they actually haven't played their best yet when they do look out or yep. it's like, oh, they played their best in December. But you're going to usually find that out pretty early in the tournament though, I feel like. Like, like, you look at Virginia last year, right? National champions. But they, they almost got knocked out again in that first round. I don't know how much they were down by at halftime in that opening round matchup. Right. But, like, those teams that get that early scare, and they're like, shit. Like, this is this is almost our season because we're done after this. You know, we not to say they don't know that going into the tournament, but, again, we've talked about this before. These are younger kids. You know, they, their heads are in different areas. They don't and really know. Specifically in Virginia, did they – I'm guessing they won that next game by, like, 20? I don't have it in front of me, but if I had a guess, I would guess that. Um, and I would love to know, again, I don't have this kind of research in front of me right now, I would love to know how many teams that have been Final Four-type teams over the last 10 years and what they did in that first round, or if they had that one scare in either the first or second round where they almost lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to, they were able to pull out the win, and then they really figured out after that point, they're like, shit, you know, we really need to play at the highest level well, from this right. forward. And let's just stay specifically with that Auburn team. Like, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Like, yeah. they had that scare against New Mexico State, and then they absolutely throttled Kansas the next game. And then they beat North Carolina by double digits in the Sweet 16 and ended up pulling it out against Kentucky like they were just a completely different team. Yeah. Yeah, and you see that happen. Like it's, again, it's, it's, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did. But, you know, I feel like I see it all the time in the tournament where a team is like that. They, they, they take that really, really tight game. They finally get the win there. And they're like, wow, that was almost it. And now they're a totally different team going forward the rest of that tournament. It's, it's crazy that it happens all the time, but it's something to take an eye on and, and pay attention to when it comes to the tournament in a couple weeks. I completely agree with you there. I want to wrap things up with my picks. Bill has one more after me, but I'm going to go out west to uh, the state of California where we have a battle of two arch rivals in the Pac-12, the UCLA Bruins visiting the UC, USC Trojans, excuse me, uh, and all of a sudden here, we have both teams that for a while were looking like bubble teams, and now if Selection Sunday were this weekend, and it's not, we still have two more weeks, I think both these teams are in the field, and that's pretty crazy to think about because, you know, I'm a Temple alum, and Temple won at USC earlier in the year. Temple obviously is not a tournament team this year. Owls have fallen off a cliff, and USC has gone in an opposite direction. And UCLA was an afterthought. I mean, it was the first year with Mick Cronin, a little bit of a rebuilding year, and, and you know, maybe the blue and gold come back next year, and there's a little bit more of a foundation laid. And, you know, it, it kind of looked like this was Oregon, this was Arizona, this was maybe Colorado in the Pac-12. All of a sudden, both these teams, I think, earning respect 
I mentioned Arizona is one of the teams that I think a lot of people looked at throughout most of the year. Well, both these teams have recently beaten the Wildcats. Um, ironically enough, both USC and UCLA within the last week played the two Arizona schools in the Pac-12, and they both won against the uh, Wildcats and the Arizona State Sun Devils. So I'm taking the four points here with the Bruins, and this is one of those lines. We talk so often about lines that don't make sense, and sometimes you're going to always side with Vegas, and you're going to think, oh, i got to take the favorite that shouldn't be favored, or i got to take, you know, all these points when it, the line shouldn't be that big, like whatever. Like I just think this line is straight up wrong. And I know that that can be an interesting kind of dilemma is like, is the line wrong or is it so wacky? It's right. And I think this line's wrong when you have a, and the reasoning is while Southern Cal did just win over the two Arizona schools, like UCLA did Southern Cal in the month of February, just five and five straight up. So there was a little bit of Jekyll and Hydeness for the Trojans, and it just so happened that including in those wins, you know, was the big one for them against Arizona, which I think really got USC off the bubble, and Arizona State was kind of living on the bubble for a while too, and you beat them. So I think obviously their wins were important ones for USC, but they weren't that consistent in the month of February, whereas UCLA – Probably the hottest team in this league, having won nine of the last ten, seven, two, and one against the spread. And UCLA is the team getting the four points. Um, this has been bet down a hook from four and a half to four. I think I, I just again think the line's wrong, and I think UCLA could win this game outright. But in a rivalry game with two teams that look to be their, the other's equal, they look to be you know spot on. And you're going to give me more than a possession, I'd probably take that every time. So I like UCLA. Yeah, I don't have a ton on this game, Greg. Um, uh, it's hard uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, right? Like both of these teams seem like they've kind of figured it out midway through the season. They've turned their programs around here, and they're all headed in the right direction. You mentioned they're probably going to be going into the tournament. So I really don't have a lean either way yet. However, like you said, it was already bet down from four and a half down to four. I'm curious to see what – what the public does with it and how Vegas adjusts the line going forward into tomorrow uh, before I make a decision on whether I'm going to play on it or not. But um, at UCLA, though, has been – it's been fun to watch because, uh, you know, at the heart of everything with this, you know, with, with handicapping and stuff like that, I'm just a huge college basketball fan. And when these programs that have always been so prominent for so long kind of fall off a cliff for a while, um, it, to me it's a little disheartening because I grew up watching, you know, some of the really good UCLA teams and – you know, now it's kind of yeah, been we, like, and we just talked about Indiana. Like, gosh, yeah. I'd argue UCLA nosedived even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of been like this coaching carousel there, which is it's crazy because you look at you know probably the greatest college basketball coach in the history was from that program with sure. John Wooden, and and right. you know it's just it's just sad to see that they can't figure it out where they can get a guy in there to really bring the program back to prominence and let's face it like the Pac-12 is not that formidable of a conference you know I feel like these guys they get into the tournament every year and none of them can really make that real big deep run um, to carry the conference flag so to speak in it uh, so you know I don't again I don't have a play on it I'm curious to see what happens tomorrow with the line um, but for the reasons you said, uh, you know UCLA I can see it happening and uh, again if I don't make a play on it I wish you the best of luck uh, sure. But we'll see what happens tomorrow. 
Let's see what happens with your last play, and I definitely don't have a play on this one, but uh, I'll oh, allow come you. Come on. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll allow you the floor on Montana State. Five and a half point pop against Northern Colorado, total 132 and a half. Uh, go ahead, take it away. <laughs> so, I really thought, Greg, you were going to be with me on this game, but then I remembered <laughs> a couple days ago when you made me state that they'd play, and me, I was all about oh. it because I love the mid-majors, and everything you said made sense to me. I was excited about it, and then I think it was about 12 minutes into the game, they still had single-digit points, and, you know, it got dark. I was working, really so I didn't see one. the game, and that's probably about <laughs> my own mental health. Yes. Um, but, yeah, going back into this one, Montana State, uh, getting five and a hook against Northern Colorado. Um, it's a revenge spot for Montana State, lost by nine on the road. Um, and this game, when I looked at it, uh, was similar to a game that I looked at earlier today. It was a five-and-a-half-point spread. The favored team um, had some phenomenal trends in that you know half-point to six-point favored window, and the dog team had terrible trends headed in that way with the spread being plus a half a point to plus six and a half points. That game was the Drake-Northern-Iowa game, and we saw what happened in that game. I mean, Drake came out and yeah. the shit out of them early. They almost they almost let him come back in the game, and they ended up push, pulling away again. Um, but that game just seems super, super similar to this. If I'm just looking at it from the trend point of view, I'm like, how do you not take North Carolina, Northern uh, Colorado? They've covered the last five um, road games. So, you know, I'll use Matt's term here, you know, regression back to the mean. To cover their last five. Five road games, that's not easy. And you figure sure. it's only going to be a matter of time probably before, you know, they finally drop one. I think they're going to drop one here to Montana State. Um, and if it ends up being like a McNeese State game and they're down by 20 early, I'm going to blame it on Matt not being on the podcast. That's all. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I guess at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. And, and we knew early on, on McNeese State. So, so there's yeah, I'd, that. I'd, honestly, I would rather lose like that on a play than, than lose, you know, on a last-second buzzer beater shot where I invested all my time watching Or be covering 95% of the uh, game and then get Exactly. Dead. Yeah. Just stabbing the heart right out of the gate and let it get it over with. I'll move on to my next one. That's all. There you go. Bill, always fun. Uh, we'll certainly chat again during the week. Sounds good, Greg. Good luck tomorrow. There you have it. Good luck to you as well. Appreciate everybody that tunes in. We hope you tail. And, of course, please play responsibly. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast.